We're continuing our study of the life of David, and we're going to end this series. We know we're not at the end of his life, but we're at the end of time as we come to uh, Thanksgiving beginning next week. We do two weeks of Thanksgiving and not one. How can you be thankful enough in one day? You've got to have at least two and probably more. And so we try to push ourselves into that thankful mode, and we'll be beginning that next week. Uh, but now we're in Second Samuel chapter 6 for our text today, as we do the last one in our series on David. Second Samuel chapter number 6 for our text today. Back in 1973, I played at the Eastman Theater with the New York All-State Band, And for those bands, they get well-known conductors. And my conductor was a man named Weston Noble. He picked out the music that the band would play. And one of those numbers I remember sticks in my mind in particular. It was the hardest piece of music I ever played in my life. It was fast, and it was exciting. And Mr. Noble told us, that he took his band and toured Europe, and he had performed this very difficult piece of music all around, and he said, we played it for the king of Norway. (laughs) And uh, it was music that was just set on fire. It just went on and on and on. It was a wild piece of music. And Mr. Noble played that song with his band for the King of Norway. And he said, when we finished, the King of Norway stood up and cheered. And Mr. Noble said, that's not something the King of Norway ever does. And I knew that was true. (laughs) I know those Norwegians. Uh, Mr. Noble knew how to make good music. And I remember I had a solo part. I was playing that great big clarinet that you see Heidi play nowadays. Mr. Noble said to me, when you play that, I want you to blow so hard it tickles your finger. And I did, too. I did. There was one thing that that man said that I will never forget. We were playing Irish song. And he said to me, I want you to understand something, and to all of us, All music is a dance. Fast or slow, all music is a dance. Now what did he mean? He meant that good music is a form of expression. And you express whatever your feelings are. And you can express yourself with your whole body. And sometimes you just can't keep still. And you have to move with the music. All music is a dance, and that is something that I have never forgotten. In our text today, we come to an event in the life of David that was, without a doubt, his finest moment. David did some wonderful things. He killed that giant Goliath. He became the king of Israel. He won many battles and conflicts. He wrote some of the best music ever written, the book of Psalms. But if you ask David, what's the best thing you ever did? I'm sure he would say the event that we're about to look at 
in our text today was his very best. So let's begin 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 1. Again David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up thence the ark of God whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And so it was, David, this new king, gathers all of Israel together for an express purpose of moving the Ark of the Covenant from Gibeah to Jerusalem, that's about eight miles, the capital city. Questions. Why was the Ark in Gibeah? Well, years before, the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant in a battle. And they took it home, and every city they tried to keep it in, the people got covered with tumors. And they tried to store it finally in their own temple. You remember the Philistines worship a god called Dagon. He was half man and half fish. And when they put the Ark in Dagon's temple, the statue of David fell down, or of Dagon fell down and broke. Poor Dagon lost his fish head. And finally, they put it on a brand new ox cart and attached two milk cows to it and uh, sent it down the road to get rid of it. And those two milk cows, all on their own, pulled that cart all the way back to Israel. And the Israelites found it in a field and they carried it to someone's house nearby and had been there for years. Now the Ark of the Covenant was a wooden box about two foot wide and four foot long. It was covered entirely with gold. It had a cover and on the top of it were two golden angels that bowed towards each other. And it had on the box four gold, solid gold rings, one and one on each corner. And then there were two poles, long poles made of wood and covered in gold to be slid through the rings in the box so it could be carried on the priest's shoulders. David wanted to remove the ark from the private house, take it to Jerusalem, so it could be the center of worship in Jerusalem. A great idea. All of Israel was on the move and they gathered to make this a great big national celebration. Verse number 3. They set the ark of God on the new cart, brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and psalteries, timbrels and on coronets and on cymbals. When they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen shook it. The anger of God was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach on Uzzah, and he called the name of the place 
Perazuzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So as they're crossing some uneven ground, the oxen pulling the cart stumble. And there's a man named Uzzah standing by the ox cart and he reaches out to steady the ark so that it won't fall. And when he touches the ark, God strikes him dead. And he falls dead right on the ground. It says David was angry with God, but at the same time afraid of God. Now my friends, here's a question. If they were doing such an important work, like moving the ark to Jerusalem. Why did God kill the man who tried to stabilize the ark, keep it from falling? First, ask this question. Where did the idea come from of moving the ark on an ox cart? Well, that's how the Philistines sent the ark back to Israel. Of course, they didn't know any better. The ark was built to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. That's why there's great big golden rings on four corners of the box. You may recall in your Bible history, the priests carried the ark around Jerusalem, or Jericho, I'm sorry, on their shoulders, and you know the story, the walls came tumbling down. So is it just a rule, one of God's rules, and if you break the rule, you die? No, no. It's much more than that. Think with me, my friends. What do we do with heavy things today? How do we move them? Well, we put them on a trailer and we move them. Why? Because they're heavy. Well, the ark wasn't that heavy. And it had golden rings. And God instructed that it be carried on the shoulders of the priest. Because God's trying to teach a lesson. First and foremost, this. Never, ever consider God's work to be a burden. God's work is not a burden, it's a privilege. Do you ever think that coming to church is a burden? That working at the church, whether you're sweeping the floor, or washing the dishes, or mowing the lawn, or working with children, or anything that we do here, do you think, oh, that's a burden, the Lord's work is a heavy burden to bear. That's the attitude that God wanted, did not want to be attached to his name. 
Serving God is not a burden, it's a blessing. It's an honor to do it. It's a privilege to do it. So pick up that ark in God's name, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, and carry it with joy. Shoulder it with pleasure. Do it the right way. And don't ever say that God's work is a burden. Jesus said what? Come to me, and I'll give you rest. Why? Because my yoke is easy and what? My burden is light. So David, get it right. God wants you to carry that ark into the gates of Jerusalem with joy and singing. It'll be a blessing to have God in our midst. So David, get rid of the ox cart. The ox cart, okay, if you're carting Dagon around, okay? But it just won't do for the ark of God. It is not a burden to serve God. So let's see in verse 12. It was told King David, saying, The Lord bless the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went up and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David wore, was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. It's a few miles to go, but they stopped every six paces. And sacrificed two animals, an oxen and a fatted calf to God. People are shouting. There's thousands of people. People are singing. There's great joy. And David dances. (laughs) Notice exactly what it says. He danced with all his might. My friends, let me tell you something about these kind of things. Something about music especially God's music. When you sing for the Lord, you never do it half-heartedly. If you're singing for the Lord, you sing with all your might. And some people come here and say, man, those people sing loud. You betcha. Don't ever say anything different about us. You sing with all you've got. If you sing to the Lord, it should wear you out. You should sweat. You should give it your all. Handel's Messiah, of course, a masterpiece of God's music. And in particular, the number that shines the best is the Hallelujah Chorus. Now, I've heard the Hallelujah Chorus sung in a big theater with a huge professional choir and full orchestra. And all I did was yawn. And I've heard it sung by 18 people in our little church choir. And the only way they could give more would be to cut themselves and bleed. And those 18 people pour their hearts and souls into it. And I feel inspired. And the worship of God comes up in my heart. And because it's for God, we give it all we got. David gave it all he had. He was so full of joy, his feet just couldn't keep still. And he jumps and he spins in the air and he leaps. 
and praises God with his whole being. Here's the man so full of music, so full of melody, so full of harmonies. And as they play the music and the tambourines, all he can do is dance and jump and leap and praise God. All because music is a dance. All the way to Jerusalem, into the gates of the city, he dances and sings and leaps and praises God. And you can hear them singing the songs that he wrote. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. He's the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory, as they sing Psalm 24, carrying the ark into the city of Jerusalem. God is coming to the capital city to take his proper place, a place reserved just for God and for God alone. And with blessings he will pour out on those who serve him and honor him and love him and bless his name. Dance, David, dance. Express your joy. Tell it all abroad. Behold, your king cometh unto you. Shouting and singing and cheering. All of Israel feels the power of God. And David will go on one step further. Verse 17. They brought in the ark of the Lord, set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David pitched for it. David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David made an end to offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among them all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his own house. Remember, there are thousands of people who have gathered for this occasion. Each person gets a loaf of bread and some fruit and some wine. And they say, go home and feast and celebrate and give thanks to God. It's a real holiday. And the king has supplied the feast to every member of the whole nation All of Israel has gone home now and spent the evening celebrating with family. Was there ever a happier day? Was there ever a more blessed event? And David leads the whole nation in celebrating the ark and its arrival in Jerusalem. It's no burden. It's no burden. It's no trial. It's all blessings. Why, I'd call it Thanksgiving is what I'd call. If I ever saw a Thanksgiving feast, this is it. It's David as his very best. He shines like a star as he dances before the ark. So finally, the end of the day comes. The ark is in its new home in Jerusalem. Sacrifices have all been made to God. People have been blessed and sent home to celebrate and feast. The best day of David's life has come to its final conclusion. Now it's time for him to go home and bless his own family. Verse number 20. David returned to bless his household. 
And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaidens of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. Wait, wait, what? What does he say? What's that all about? I look back to verse 15. David and all the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouting with the sound of trumpets. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Michael is King Saul's daughter. And she looked out the window and she saw David dancing and leaping before the ark and she despised him. She hated him. The more he danced, the more she despised him. And when he comes home in a high mood of worship, she meets him at the door. Weren't you just something today? Disgusting Disgraceful, exposing yourself to all the young women. You see, it says when David danced, he wore an ephod. Now an ephod is a plain white linen garment. No frills, no color, only pure white. And priests wore these ephods when they served God to represent something, cleanness. As David wrote in his Psalms, who can come before the Lord? Only he who has clean hands and a pure heart. A white ephod was to represent clean and holy, forgiven of all sin and pure now before God. So David, who was king, wore the plain white ephod because his heart was right with God. And Michael, his wife, says, I was disgusted when you danced before the young ladies in your underwear. I despise you. You're a show-off trying to impress young ladies. And weren't you just a sight for all the servant girls? You embarrass me with your dirty display. My friends, David was at his very best. He was at his peak, worshiping and praising God, bringing the ark into the capital city, blessing every household in the whole of Israel. And Michael, David's dearest things, nothing but poison to Michael. She hated the things that were David's greatest delights. David, like Jesus would say when Jesus would come to earth, David felt the same way Jesus did. The zeal of thine house has eaten me up. And Michael says, you were showing off for the young girls. What? Could you be more wrong? Could you misunderstand David any more than to accuse him? of being a show-off and a gigolo. 
How'd you like to come home to that? Huh? Accused of evil when you've been serving the Lord with all your heart. What is wrong with you, Michael? Maybe, maybe if you hadn't stayed home. Maybe if you had been there. Maybe if you had seen thousands of people and heard their shouts and cheering, and if you had seen the sacrifices every six paces, you might have been caught up in the moment. But you stayed home. You refused to attend. Maybe the only one in all of Israel, you kept yourself away from God's people until you looked out the window and you saw David dance. My friends, deaf people can never understand the person dancing to the music. Michael couldn't hear the music of the ark. With no music in her soul, she assigned an evil motive to David's dancing. What the Bible says is this. See that the wife reverence her husband, but instead she despised him. Michael, won't you join in? Won't you celebrate? Won't you feast in thanksgiving for the ark which is now in Jerusalem? God's emblem of his power and of his mercy has come to be the center of worship in Jerusalem. No, because after all, it's not just David you despise. It's God. Michael, David wore an ephod so that he could make something very clear. The only king is one. There's only one sovereign. God, the king of kings and lord of lords. Lord Jehovah, God almighty, the God of the ark. He is king. And David will not wear his royal robes because this is a day to celebrate the true king. David will dance with a pure heart for the Lord his king. David has an answer, verse 21. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father, before all his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore I will play before the Lord, and yet will I be more vile than thus, and be more base in mine own sight. The maid servants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. David tells Michael, I was dancing for God. God's worship was expressed with all my heart and soul. And those girls you accused me of baiting, they honor me for my service to the Lord. And so did all of Israel, everyone, thousands and thousands, everyone except you. So Michael goes down in history as the woman who despised David, who was a man after God's own. Michael, was there ever two people more unequally yoked than David and Michael? The apostle Paul wrote, see to it that the woman reverence her husband, especially if he's doing the Lord's work. David moving the ark to Jerusalem had the best day ever, almost. The best day ever until he got home. 
Michael grew up in King Saul's house. He never learned to worship God. He never learned to honor the Lord. Her father, King Saul, ignored God and disobeyed the Lord until God finally abandoned him. Michael grew up with no feeling for God at all. So she stayed home on the day when thousands of people came out with joy to follow the ark as it comes home to Jerusalem. There are times of public worship. There are days set aside to thank God in a public forum. My friends, I just couldn't stay at home on a day set aside to worship God. The joy and the music and the blessing as people assemble together to praise the Lord together. Now, my friends, I can't dance. (laughs) I can't dance. God made this body to do work. That's what this body was given me for, to work. Not to dance, all right? I'll tell you what, in my heart, I can feel the music, and my heart dances before the Lord. I love to sing His praises, and I do it with all my heart. As we come to this Thanksgiving season, may we find it in our hearts to give thanks together. And do it with all our hearts. Join David as he sings. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name, for you have done great things. You have done great things. You have done great things. Bless your holy name. May God make your home happy as you've blessed the Lord in this Thanksgiving season. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunities given to us to come in high worship and praise and gather together in God's name. We pray that we will not be like Michael, who stayed home and despised those things. Help us, Lord, that we might treasure the love of God, the blessings given to us by his hand, and celebrate them and feast together and enjoy what God has done for us all. We pray these things, that all of us might participate in these good things. In Jesus' name, amen. Closing like you turn your hymn books, if you will. Page number 225, standing as we sing, Take My Life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Standing as we sing 225, take my life and let it be. Page 225.
I said? Amen. Amen. Yes, Levi, close with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we ask that when we come to you, our hearts would be full of thankfulness for all the little things you have done for us each day and all the great and mighty things you have done for us, for forgiveness and cleansing that you have brought to our lives, for help and guidance and your spirit in our lives, that we would be able to walk each day in forgiveness and newness of life, even though we have faltered and failed so many times. You give us a chance and an opportunity, and may we come to you because of those things, and may we say, Great is the Lord our God. Mighty are his works. And we know that you have done these great things, and so we pray that we would not forget and never cease to sing and talk and praise you in our lives. May you use each and every part of what we have, from our homes to the riches that you've given to us, to our families, and everything in between. We are thankful for this church that we may come and worship you. And we pray our hearts would not leave and turn it off, but that worship would follow us throughout this week. In our hearts, we would be ready to tell others and live so that others may know that you are the great and mighty God. We ask for these things and we pray that our hearts would be full of thankfulness. Take us and use us. Make our will into your will. And help us to be thinking about you, listening for you. Bring us back to this place, ready to worship again, we pray in your name.